So yesterday I was on YouTube, and I came across the scene at the end of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, where the Enterprise crew holds Spock's funeral. And if you haven't seen the scene, which it's not a short scene, but it's actually pretty good. I haven't seen the movie, but it was a pretty good scene, and obviously I knew it happened. I mean, everyone knows that Spock dies at the end of Star Trek II. But the scene kind of plays like this, where Captain Kirk is giving his speech... He gives a great speech about how Spock is the best, how Spock's this great dude. And then at the end, he speaks of Spock as his friend. And he says that Spock is the most human person he's ever met in his travels. And then they send away Spock's casket into the depths of space while Scotty plays the bagpipes. And while I was watching this scene, I had this shocking revelation that it is the exact same scene as Superman's funeral in Batman v Superman, where the camera angles are the same, the bagpipes are the exact same, and Batman gives a speech about how Superman is this great dude, and how he's so human, and how they need to be inspired by his sacrifice. Yeah, I uh, thought that was weird. Hello, my name is Tyler, and I think I'm tentatively calling this podcast I Recommend. It just kind of sounds right. And I think as I begin to explain this episode, or what this podcast even is in the first place, it will begin to fit as well. So let's talk about what this podcast even is in the first place. What are we going to be talking about on a weekly basis? I say weekly, but we'll see in the future. But what am I even going to be talking about on a podcast where it's just me talking into a mic? Why... Why should you even listen? What this podcast is going to be about is talking about things that I get asked on a daily basis on my account or that go through my head on a daily basis uh, regarding the interest I have, you know, comic books, movies, media in general. I have a lot of opinions to share and I got, I get asked them a lot. So what I wanted to kind of base this podcast around, if we're going to cut to the real meat and potatoes of what I want this to be, is... Talking about the things I love and recommending them out into the wider atmosphere. There are so many things that I love talking about that I'm itching to talk about, and I want so many more people to enjoy them the same way I do. And I often get asked, I get asked on the account, I get asked, uh, what is the best story to start with this character? What's a great starting point for this character or this team or this concept or this whatever? As well as often being asked my opinion about certain things that maybe I've given my opinion on before, or I can't necessarily condense it into a small message and then also answer it for 20 to 100 people that ask me that same question. These are where you're going to get those answers, and I'm kind of excited to move this forward and just be able to talk about the things I love talking about. So, number one, episode one, I decided it would be a proper place to start, if you know me, with Superman. The questions I get asked about Superman all the time as a Superman fan, and as, as often I try to proclaim myself as a bit of a champion of Superman fans, but I can't say that. I, all I hope is that my account can reach more people to get them into the character, and hopefully they'll start to love him as much as I do. Because if you know me, or you know of me at all, I hope you do. As, if, first of all, if you're here. If you aren't, I, I don't know if I introduced myself. I said my name is Tyler, but I don't know if I said that I'm at Comic Boy on Instagram, but also if you're here, you probably know that. It doesn't hurt to plug, obviously, but Superman, if you know me, you know that Superman is my favorite character. He's kind of the alpha and the omega. He's the king at the top of the hill. He is the best superhero, in my opinion, and I will argue him over anyone, and I will argue a good Superman story over anything else, and I also kind of believe in Superman as this character that can kind of transcend media and be a very important very comfortable place for people to feel safe or feel comfortable. I, I believe in the power of not only Superman, but him especially as a, as a force for good in media and in the world in general. So 
like I said, people are often asking me about where to start with Superman, what Superman comics to read, because there is this this really annoying understanding of of Superman in the media where people believe that he's boring. People believe that Superman is out of date or out of style and that he's not really properly modernized for any audiences and that he doesn't work in a modern world. And there are people even that attack him as a literary character and say he's boring, he's untouchable, he's un, unbeatable, uncorruptible. And I say that you clearly haven't read enough Superman comics, so I'm going to recommend them to you. Uh, I like to split this into levels. This is how I think I'm going to be doing things from now on when I'm recommending comic books, at least. I'm going to give you many stories to read, but I'm going to give you levels of stories to read, where to start and where to end. And we're going to go on this journey as this character grows in front of your eyes. And hopefully you'll get to see him as much as I do and you'll get to love him as much as I do. That is the goal here. So we're going to start at level one, which I've called Who is Clark Kent? We're going to be defining who Clark Kent is in his personal life, what he is before he is Superman and what he stands for outside of the costume, I believe that that is probably the best part to or the best place to start with any character that you're going to start reading, understanding who this person is beyond the superheroics. The first Superman story that I'm going to tell you to read is the one that initially got me into the character. When I grew up as a kid, I was a big fan of superheroes and superhero comic books, but Superman was not necessarily my favorite character. I liked Superman. But I was definitely on the idea that he was a little boring, especially when I was a kid and I was seeing Iron Man in movies and the Avengers, stuff like that. You don't really get to see Superman on that level today, and I think that's where most people get their biases from. So, I broke my bias with Superman by reading Superman's Secret Origins by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. It is a seminal Superman story, in my opinion. It tells the story of Clark Kent growing up on on the farm in Kansas and growing up with his parents, uh, Jonathan and Martha, as they grow him into becoming the Superman that we know and love. Uh, maybe that you don't love yet, but hopefully by the end of the story you will, because for me, my God, the memories I have associated with this book are insane. This is the Superman book for me that really changed everything. It showed me that this character... It really showed me the, the depths of this character and what he could mean to people. And in a really inspiring way, I think it's a very good comic book, not only because it's well-written and it's fantastically drawn, but because it can just put a fucking smile on your face. That is kind of the most important thing when reading comics. So I would definitely start there. It's a great entry point. You, you get a lot of really amazing Gary Frank Superman art in it, as well as Jeff Johns, who... I think at this point of, of his career is at the top of his fucking game. Right before the New 52, it might have been around 2007, Jeff Johns was at the top of his fucking game writing these characters, and it really bleeds through. He loves Superman. You get a lot of Christopher Reeve vibes. Um, Jeff Johns, I believe, was a, a help of Richard Donner, the guy that directed the first Superman movies. So he was inspired by that era of Superman. And so if I would say, if you can look past the fact that Christopher Reeve is literally just drawn by Gary Frank as Superman. And, you know, picture it in the comic book universe. This is the origin of Superman as we know him. This is the origin I believe they follow in canon today. So definitely, definitely gotta read that book. The next book I would recommend is Superman Birthright. So the thing about Superman is there's a lot of uh, stories that retell his origin because apparently we don't fucking know it already. You'd think the most famous origin in the history of superhero comics would be overdone, but they 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 could do it even more apparently. So Superman Birthright, which coincidentally actually came out before Superman Secret Origins, is a story written by Mark Wade with art by Lionel Francis Yu. 
it tells a story, man. It tells a story of how Clark Kent became Superman, and it tells it differently from the way that Secret Origins done. Secret Origins is a bit more grounded. It's leveled in Metropolis, and we spend most of our time there, but Birthright goes all around the world. We follow Clark Kent as a bit of a drifter, moving from place to place, knowing that he has to help people, but not necessarily knowing what to do with that yet. He's not Superman quite yet. Obviously, he will become Superman by the end of the comic, and probably around the middle of the comic he becomes Superman, if I remember correctly. But... He is not the fully-fledged hero we know. How do we get him there? It is notable, I think, because it also is the inspiration for um, Jesse Eisenberg's version of Lex Luthor, which, you know, is, isn't is good. Is not a good version of Lex Luthor, but I always commend Jesse Eisenberg. He acted the shit out of that fucking role. The next Superman I'm going to tell you to read in Phase 1, Phase 1, Level 1, this isn't the fucking MCU, what am I talking about? For all seasons, um, it is written by Jeff Loeb, and it has art from the late great Tim Sale. My God, Tim Sale is a fucking juggernaut, man. His work is gorgeous in this book. The colors, especially, one of the things that his art is underrated on, always has been underrated on, is the use of colors, the coloring which I don't have the colorist in front of me. I probably should have fucking got that information, but whoever it is that does the coloring for Tim Sale's art was spectacular, and Tim Sale, losing him this year, I mean, it's been bad for Batman creators to a ridiculous extent, extent, because uh, Tim Sale, I mean, he might not be well known as a Batman artist, but The Long Halloween and, and Dark Victory especially are seminal Batman books, but we're not talking about Batman. We're talking about Superman, and we're talking about this fucking book. This book is great. It uses the format of a book like The Long Halloween where we travel through the holidays, we travel through the seasons, and we learn about how Superman is in the winter, in the summer, in the spring, in autumn. It is a really nice and heartwarming story, and it just feels good. It's one of those stories, again, like a good Superman story should do. I'm moving my chair up. Hope you guys heard that. That was very, very creaky. Um... It is one of those stories where you just walk away from it with a smile on your face. It is a great book, and I would always recommend it. It has that great moment that is adapted in the Superman and Lois TV show, where Superman's first appearance is him saving a little boy who then tells him that he likes his costume, to which Superman replies, Thanks, my mom made it for me. Which is a great moment no matter how it's portrayed in media. It's a shame that Henry Cavill never got to say that fucking line. It's so sweet and wholesome. And if it's a book like this that is incredibly sweet and wholesome, just another great Superman story. Um, the book I want to close out, Level 1, which we, again, have established is Who is Clark Kent, is the Rebirth Run by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. This book is special. This book has post-crisis Superman, so old Superman, in the place of New 52 Superman. What I mean by that, if you don't know what I'm talking about, which, again, you probably do, but... Allow me to allow me to spin my weave. Um, Post Crisis Superman was the old version pre the Flashpoint reboot. So when there was this reboot called Flashpoint, when that happened, from that point on, we got a new version of Superman, the the New Fifty Two Superman. People didn't like him. Superman fans were not happy with him, so they killed him and they brought in the Post Crisis version of that character, the old version of that character pre Flashpoint. What they brought with him, though, I think, is what makes this book so special. He is married to Lois Lane, and he has a son named Jonathan. Jonathan Kent is one of the best creations in modern comics. I, he, he might be the best creation in modern comics. The idea of having a book where it is Lois, Clark, and John 
as a family on a farm and you learn this whole new dimension of Superman as a father, it is something extremely special. It is heartwarming. The art, all throughout the entire run, you have artists like um, Patrick Gleason, of course, who is also a co-writer, but you have Jorge Jimenez putting his stamp on Superman and drawing arguably the best modern Superman ever. You have uh, Doug Mankey, who's always been a great artist, and his art, again, is great here. You have so many good artists. Ed Bennis, I believe, is there. Uh, Tyler Kirkham joins in by the end. There's just so many great artists that I couldn't even name them all. And they all do terrific work on building this new Superman legacy um, where where he has a son, and you learn way more about the character than you than you thought you knew. You thought you knew Superman? Turns out you didn't know Superman at all, and I really appreciate the run for bringing those layers to that character and for making a risky decision. Giving Superman a son could have been a bad decision. Written by bad writers, at least, would have been catastrophic for the book. I mean, bad writers writing... Imagine if he was angsty, and he's like anti-Superman, and he's an angsty teenager. That That would have been horrific. Luckily, they didn't do that, and they kept the little boy wholesome, which I will always appreciate that era of John Kent. He He's just wonderful. So we're going to move on to level two now, which I've labeled Who is Superman? So this is where we start to challenge Superman more as the concept. Clark has already established himself with the underwear and the boots. He now needs to establish who Superman is and what Superman means. The first story I'm going to recommend is one that I think gets unsung, it is Trinity by Matt Wagner. Matt Wagner is the writer and the artist on the book, and it's a story about the first time that Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman ever teamed up. In In the context of this book, Superman and Batman have met already. They're probably in around year two or three, but they have not met Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman comes along and throws a whole wrench into their into their mutual understanding of each other. We get really great moments where Superman talks about his respect for Batman and how he admires Bruce for being a man who works with gods. He, he admires the fact that Bruce can do that. And you get him kind of being the middle ground between these arguments that Bruce and Wonder Woman have where a rich kid and an Amazon, of course they wouldn't get along. Especially a rich kid that is as big of a dick as Batman is. Wonder Woman hates him at the beginning and Superman's kind of just standing there on the sidelines kind of trying to reel them both in. It's, it's really funny. It's really nice. And it's a great book. The art by Matt Wagner, is especially great. I think it comes in three oversized issues, so it's not very long either, and it kind of reads really well as like a singular graphic novel. Um, don't hear that story get talked about nearly enough. The next book I'm going to recommend is going back to the creative team of Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. We're talking about Superman Brainiac. Um, I just realized that I'm an idiot because I was writing down these stories, and I didn't write down what issues of Superman, Superman Brainiac is because I've only ever read the trade. So probably should have done that but if you google it you know amazon.com or just you know google will bring up the issues superman brainiac it is a story told where it's told so the way secret origins was written you know it's the origin of superman this story is told from the perspective of a superman who is a veteran he has been here for 10 years he's established on the justice league he's established as a hero supergirl exists she's been re uh, reinvented for the post-crisis continuity and he's married to lois lane He's died by the hands of Doomsday. Everything has already happened to the Superman. Brainiac shows up. And it's a great story. It's a great action story. And it's a great first encounter story. I mean, obviously it's not the DC Universe actual first encounter, but it's just a great alien invasion story in general. Um, I, I would talk about it more, but I don't really want to give away any spoilers. All I'm going to say is that Superman gets challenged physically and mentally in this book. 
in some pretty interesting ways. And it, just because it's Superman might, does not mean it will have a happy ending. The next story I'm going to talk about, boy, do I love this story. Action Comics 775. It is titled, What is So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way? That's a great, my God, I could write an essay about this story. The basic premise, uh, if I'm going to elevator pitch it, is that the there is a new group of superheroes in the world called the Elite, and led by this guy named Manchester Black. They believe that Superman is outdated and is like a pussy because he doesn't kill his supervillains. So they make a ploy to the world. They say that, hey, Superman's outdated. We're the new guard. We're going to take over, and everything's going to be better under us. Superman takes uh, fault with this. And, you know, shenanigans occur. This book is only 40 or so pages, but I think it's really seminal in explaining why Superman is so important. The title is interesting, you know, uh, what's so funny about Truth, Just in the American Way. It's kind of funny because it's an irrelevant title now because his uh, catchphrase has changed, but what it kind of is encapsulating is, is Superman standing up for exactly what makes him him. He's standing up for the things that people would say are corny or the things that people would say are boring or old-fashioned, he's standing up for those things exactly and talking about why they're so important for him to represent. I think it's it's really just a great story. The next story that I'm going to talk about in this stage, the last story in this stage, is For the Man Who Has Everything. Again, like a bonehead, I forgot to write down what issue of comics this is. I think it's an annual, but don't quote me on that. I think it's a Superman annual. It's written by Alan Moore, and drawn by Dave Gibbons, now that I remember it, it's actually the creative team of Watchmen writing a Superman story, writing a story where Mongol, who in modern day has really gotten a renaissance uh, from writer Philip Kennedy Johnson, but earlier was just kind of, you know, I, I always viewed Mongol as kind of like a a, a little a little boy version of Darkseid. They're kind of the similar character in this universe, and they're similar looking, and he's also kind of Thanos-esque. Mongol was never really a great character to begin with, I don't think. But he's great in this story, and he's just sadistic in the story, and he fights the Trinity, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and Jason Todd as Robin. It's a great story. It explains a lot of Superman's pathos, um, and it's it's got great art. It's got great writing. It is pretty crisis which means it is very, very cheesy and corny, especially by the end. But it's also really fucking good because it's Alan Moore right before he becomes Crazy Man Alan Moore when he writes Watchmen. We're moving on to last level now, level three, and this is called What Does Superman Stand For? So what we're going to do in this stage is we're going to do, we're going to kind of analyze Superman as an icon. What does Superman mean as a symbol beyond Clark Kent or beyond the Superman persona? What does he represent? These are the stories that are going to tell you exactly that. The first one I have on this list is Superman Up in the Sky. This is the most recent one on this list, I think. Um, yeah, the most recent one, definitely. And it's also definitely the weirdest produced one. These were the Walmart comics written by Tom King with art by Andy Kubert. So an actual amazing creative team for a Walmart comic book. But they, my God, you give Tom King anything and he will knock it out of the park. He writes a 12-part, six-issue Superman story um, that is just about Superman going on adventures and being Superman. It is, and it, I mean, I'm stuttering over my words right now because I can't even describe how good this book is. You just have to read it. Uh, Tom King has this way with words that is just so poetic sometimes. 
reading these perspective reading his perspective on these characters and what they mean to him it is really something else it's really something special on that note you should also read supergirl woman of tomorrow that has maybe the most beautiful art i've ever seen in a comic book by bilquis evely but it is also written by tom king not about clark but about kara and it is just amazing it's the best comic that came out last year definitely next story superman secret identity uh this is written by kurt Busick with art by Stuart Immonen. I actually did a book club back on this. Uh, JD picked this book. Um, and so if you've been with us since then, you've probably read it. But Superman's Secret Identity is a story about a boy in the real world, our world, named Clark Kent, who wakes up one day with the powers of Superman and trying to reconcile not only why does he have these powers, but now that he has them, what is he going to do with them? It is very interesting. It's unlike any Superman story you'll ever read because it's not really about Superman. It's not about Clark Kent. About it's about this guy. The um, one thing I really liked about reading the trade was that the inside cover has Kurt Busiek talking about the kind of idea he had going into this book was everything has something about them that makes them special. Everything has or everyone has something about them that they they hide or they keep secret because. Maybe they don't want people to know, or they're not ready for people to know. And this is a story about embracing that side of you. Embracing that thing that people maybe can't know about you because you're too afraid to let them in. No, it's actually a superpower. You are special, and you're doing great things, and the world should embrace you as you are. That's what the story is about. And I thought that was really kind of special, telling a Superman story just like that. I think it's it's a way to tackle typical Superman themes in, in really an interesting and creative lens. All-Star Superman comes next. My God, Grant Morrison and fucking Frank Quitely. This this is, oh my God, it might be the best DC comic of all time. Either that one or the next one I'll talk about. But All-Star Superman, it's almost like I can't say anything about it because it's all been said already. It is the best solo Superman story ever, and it tells you everything you need to know about the character. It's arguably one of the best comic books ever written. It is the, the premise of it, um, again, elevator pitch, is that Superman is dying. Superman is dying, and he kind of has a bucket list. What is Sup on Superman's bucket list? What does Superman need to do before he dies and before he leaves this world? That is what the story is about, and it's emotionally... My God, a hiccup just attacked me. It's emotionally resonant, as well as deeply moving and the writing and the art it is just a crazy book it is so good it is so silly it's a wonderful comic book grant morrison they can do no wrong the last book i have on this list if you know me you know i love it kingdom come it tells the tale of an old dc universe a dc universe a little bit in the future and it is again a story that tackles why superman is eternally uh, relevant in the in the modern world why superman's superheroics will always be important and why he should never change why the world around him may but he will not it's a great book again i mean it's almost like i can't say anything about it because it's already been said alex ross's gorgeous painted art and mark wade's just i'm so happy that we got to talk to mark wade so i got to tell him that this book is just fucking phenomenal because it is kingdom come read it if you haven't it works as a dc universe story more more than a superman alone story but Superman is at the core, and he really is the the central character. Um, this is making me realize that I probably should have put Doomsday Clock on this list as well, at least in this stage of what does Superman stand for, because that book kind of mathematically dissects what Superman means in terms of like 
the literal connective tissue of the DC universe, the actual universe itself, what he means for the foundations of that world. Doomsday Clock dissects that. If you haven't read Doomsday Clock, you got to read Watchmen first. But then when you read Doomsday Clock, you realize how good of a Superman story it is. Um, and that does it for Superman comics. Um, if I want to give any last words on Superman, he, for me, he's he's a character that I almost can't talk about because I've said everything already. Um, he means a lot to me. And I'm not going to get too into it because this is episode one and we're not there yet, but he's a character that I think is very important and will always be important and really means a lot to me because he, he embraces things that I kind of wish the modern world would embrace more. He's less cynical than we are. He's he's nice and he's kind and he helps people. I think that's very important. And I just like knowing that Superman's out there. Um, So what I decided I didn't want to do next was... So that I'm not limiting myself by only talking about comic books, I was going to have a little discussion and recommend um, either a TV show or a movie, kind of whatever is on my mind that I want to recommend to you guys, because I like talking about things that aren't comic books. I know you're here for comic books, and that's what I talk about the most, but I have interests outside of that, obviously, we all do, and I want to talk about those. Tomorrow, today is, um, well, today, I think I'll release this podcast tomorrow. Today is Tuesday, November 8th. Tomorrow is Wednesday, November 9th. God of War Ragnarok comes out. I am beyond excited. I might be streaming. I should be streaming. I mean, if you're listening to this again, same day, so check my account. But if you're in the future, this this game, I am so excited for. I don't think it'll disappoint. I've been waiting so long for this. You know, if we've been waiting four years. PS5, I'm ready. I just want it right now. Like, my brain can't actually handle that, I, that it's on my PS5, but I can't play it. It is driving me insane. It's kind of funny to me that by the time this podcast comes out, I'll already be playing it, so these these arguments will seem redundant, but whatever. Um, I want to talk about TV as well. I want to talk about a TV recommendation, something that I've rewatched recently, but I've liked for years that I think needs to get attention because it is absolutely brilliant, and I would love to see it come back. So on Netflix, if you check this show, this show is called American Vandal. It is a parody of true crime documentaries, and it's told about high school-level pranks. Um, it is hilarious. It is done by Funny or Die. They, they, they do skits on YouTube, I think, probably on other websites. But this show is just fucking hilarious. It is so good. So the first season is about a documentary made by a student at a high school who is trying to exonerate another student because he was expelled for drawing dicks on every school, uh, every teacher's car in the parking lot. He was expelled for that, and what we're trying to do with the season one of American Vandal is exonerate the student and prove that he didn't do it. It is incredibly gripping. It's way more gripping than you think it would be because it's a show about dicks, and it is hilarious. It is so funny because it's a show about dicks. It has everything. It has comedy. It's got great characters. It's funny. It's about dicks. I mean, it's everything you want. It's about dicks. You just got to read it. It's about dicks. It's hilarious. Um, season two is about shit. It sounds so stupid, and I really hope that sells it to you because it is so much fun. It is not long at all. I think there's only maybe 19 episodes, maybe 18 episodes in total over two seasons, maybe even 16, I'll say, over two seasons, and they're all around 30 minutes each. 
and it was unceremoniously, in my opinion, canceled. Um, it was canceled in 2017, I think, which was when season two came out. And I thought that was a real shame because especially today, if you were to watch that show now, which I hope you do because I've recommended it, um, it is a bit fucking transcendent, man. It actually is way ahead of its time in the message it's giving, in the parody that it's giving. True crime is so big now. This show would have been on top of the world back then. It is so good. Um, would have been on top of the world back then. It would have been on top of the world if it came out now, is what I meant by that. It is just a great show. It, um, it, it would love to see a resurgence of it, but I'm not really sure that that's possible because, again, I don't know if it has the audience. And if it ever does come back, I want to link it to myself. So if you want this show to come back, make your voice heard, and and tell everyone that it was me that said it because this show is so good and I, I want to see it fucking come back. It is incredible. I'm not really explaining a lot about it or explaining it very well. You just got to watch it. It's so good. Um, I think the last thing I wanted to talk about real quick on this podcast was Crown Jewel. So, again, today's Tuesday. Uh, Crown Jewel happened on Saturday. It was the WWE pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia, which, I don't know, man. I, these Saudi shows, it's like Saudi blood money versus, like, I mean, they're complicated. On one hand, I can kind of, I, I enjoy that you put these shows on for these people who might not have a lot to go to generally and maybe don't have a lot of entertainment, at least Western entertainment like that, live at least is what I mean. But on the other hand, the Saudi government, it's their fucking blood money. I mean, the fact that they went in 2018 after the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, I don't know what Vince was thinking. I would have canned it back then. The the bitch of it, though, is that these two last Saudi pay-per-views actually haven't been terrible. And... I appreciate the fact that they're letting the women wrestlers actually show that they're some of the best in the world. I mean, the fact that they weren't allowed on the Saudi shows in the first place really should have been what canned it. But, you know, that old regime and Vince McMahon only cared about money, so it didn't really matter. Um, This show in particular, the main event of Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. Logan Paul, man, he is a natural athlete, but he's such an asshole and. It makes me want to not cheer for him, but again, he's so goddamn good in that ring that I can't help it. He will hit the most beautiful backsalt, backsalt, backflip moonsault you've ever seen in your entire life, and then he'll just be like some random jock dude on fucking Instagram. It's crazy that I want to cheer for him in that WWE ring. It's kind of, I'm afraid it's where he belongs. He's so he's so naturally athletic, um, and obviously he was never going to beat Roman Reigns, but. It was fun to see him try. Uh, that was kind of what mattered. And it kind of did interesting things for Roman as a character. You know, you have this tribal chief character who believes he's above all, but he gets in the ring with Logan, fucking Logan Paul, and nearly loses. That That is a humble, if I've ever seen one, for, for the tribal chief Roman Reigns. Of course, we all acknowledge him. We acknowledge him here at We Ed, I recommend. But Roman Reigns, uh, there's, there's problems within the bloodline. I don't know how much longer this reign's going to last. He hit 800 days, I think, today. Um, I don't see him making it to 1,000, but I, I could be wrong. So, Crown Jewel. I, I'm trying to remember what else happened in Crown Jewel. There was the women's match. What was it? It was Damage Control and the Tag Team Champions, I think Alexa Bliss and Oscar, right? It wasn't great. I mean... The issue right now is that the WWE women's roster is a bit top-heavy. They have a lot of really great top-level competitors like Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, even Rhea Ripley if they want to throw her in there. 
Um, but they don't have a lot of mid-carders. They don't have a really solidified mid-card level. That's why the the tag titles are always getting thrown around on the higher level. I I think that once people like um, what is the Toxic Attraction on NXT once they get thrown into the mix, it will it will be even me it will be even more top heavy, which is a little upsetting. I, I'm wondering what they're gonna do. They introduced Maya Yim back. I like the idea of Rhea being on. Uh, Judgment Day because she fits so goddamn well there. She's so evil, and she also kind of she she works alongside them. I believe her as like their enforcer. But once she's past that, I, I wonder if they're gonna throw her back into the main event card or if she's gonna have steam from Judgment Day when she eventually leaves that group. She's gonna be on top of the fucking world, man. Rhea Ripley. I think she's the next A list level main event WrestleMania type superstar they got. I mean, the the connection that the fan base especially has with her is insane. And I want to see Rhea succeed. Um yesterday was raw. I don't think anything exciting happened. Austin Theory. Poor, poor Austin Theory loses the money in the bank briefcase. Uh, I know people are very upset about that personally. I mean it was Vince's choice to give him that. Vince is gone. I don't think Triple H saw what Vince saw, and that's I think that is the end of it. This is the end of the discussion is what happened. Um, I do feel bad for him though. I think we got to build him as a character first. I think that's it. I don't know if I really have much more to recommend. Uh, <laughs> you should watch the Batman on HBO Max if you haven't. I definitely recommend that. And for I recommend, this was Tyler. This was my first episode. I really hope you enjoyed this. And if you did, five-star rating, I don't know. Give me a comment. Tell me. DM me. I, I don't know. I don't usually end these podcasts by myself. Now i got to really think about what to say. i got to kind of narrow down the essence of what this ending should be. Um, I love you guys. Uh, check in next time where I'll talk about a new character and I'll talk about new things. Thanks for listening, and like I said, I see you next time. I just repeated myself. Fuck. Now I th- see the podcast was going to end there, but now I'm still going. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. I love you guys, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.